Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight uh, to be with you on this uh, Friday, September 11, 2020. I don't know if this date rings a bell to some of you, but today is the 19th anniversary of what took place in 9-11 in 2001. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's a Friday and that uh, today uh, we're going to be speaking some things that I believe uh, are not just fascinating, but I think they're important and and they go with the flow of what we believe God is trying to tell his people. It is always a pleasure to have you join us to be able to spend this time together in the word of God. I believe that uh, in many ways, um, this podcast has served in, 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 in a small way or so a, a, a place where you can come and learn and, 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 and study prophecy together with us. And uh, we thank the Lord for this time. It's precious to us. We want to get into the word. We're excited as we're getting ready to go into the weekend to hear what God wants to tell us today. In our panel today, uh, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. And as always, it's always a privilege to be able to study the Word of God with my brothers, especially in such a time like this. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share uh, what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Well, as everybody knows who's been following along this week, we've been studying Psalm chapter 74 and the great mysteries that uh, were revealed and are revealed there. Uh, concerning prophetic end-time events that were given to the great choir director, Asaph. But as we entered uh, today, um, we, we like Brother Jeremy was saying, we're, we're reflecting on, on something that took place uh, as we came into the new millennium. September 11, 2001, and, and, and we felt today that we're going to put a little pause button on Psalm 74, and Lord willing, we'll resume uh, the balance of it on on Monday. <clears throat> but we want to have a conversation today uh, as America comes uh, into the 19th year uh, since uh, since 9/11, and there are things that we want to discuss, and we're really asking uh, that the Holy Spirit allow us to to enter into this this discussion today. You're going to hear some things today that might challenge uh, a lot of what you think you know. <laughs> so, so when we're done talking about everything we're going to be talking about today, uh, just forget we ever said it and go on with your life and everything will be okay. <laughs> so, no, I'm teasing you, man. We're really, we're really, really, uh, we're just going to have an open discussion. And really what you're going to hear is, is a lot of give and take between me and the brothers. We want to reflect on, on 9-11, but, and we want to talk about the things that we believe have, have prophetically happened as a result of that, that day uh, 19 years ago, where we were, uh, what our feelings were at the time, uh, and what we have seen happen in the world, the whole earth, uh, and specifically our country as, as, we, as we come to this most momentous time in human history. These things did not happen by accident. All things are under the control of the Lord. And it is quite possible that these events that occurred 19 years ago triggered and, uh, 
set the ball rolling, if you will, down the hill uh, towards bringing the the world into uh, into the in, into the great prophetic unfolding of all that the prophets have told us would come to pass in the last days and specifically the end times. So we're going to begin our study, uh, first of all, uh, by reading a portion of Scripture. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. I'm going to want uh, Brother Jeremy to read, if he wouldn't mind, uh, the Gospel of St. Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to the Gospel of St. Matthew on this. Our our 9-11 special is what we're calling it, I guess. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 1 through 7, and then we'll begin our discussion. And uh, And we pray it'll be a blessing to you all. And we pray in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you read that to us, please? Amen. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. My, my. And verse 8 goes on to say, Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden are not worthy. So go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them the marriage amen so let's get into this this is an incredible uh parable that the lord gives and and some of the background behind it if you read the gospel of saint matthew through through chapter 21 and and then coming into 22 it, it's incredible when the lord chooses to reveal this this parable and uh as i was reflecting on it and reading on it this morning uh, i began to notice that <laughs> jesus it brings this story out after he's confronted uh, by the religious elite, you know, those that are ruling in, in, in Jerusalem, those that have control of the temple. The Lord is nearing the end of his ministry. Jerusalem is just several years away from being burnt to the ground by the Roman Empire. And 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 as he comes into the the city, on that final Passover week, we know the story, right? He's he's being heralded as the as the Messiah by the people. They're laying down their coats in the street. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy written in Zechariah. I think it's chapter nine. Uh, I don't remember the verse. Maybe verse nine somewhere in there where he says, "Behold, thy king cometh to thee, Jerusalem. Thy king cometh to thee uh, humbly, riding upon a colt," which is what Jesus did on that Passover and. And he enters into the city and he begins to clean house, right? He drives out the money changers and all that. And he spends the next few days ministering in the temple. And and 
and by this time everything has reached ahead it's it's reached the culmination uh as to how god has been dealing with the nation for three and a half years and, and this is their last opportunity he basically comes and he presents himself to them uh seeking that you know that they would turn and receive him and 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 he would have set up the kingdom of heaven then uh, but, of course, he knew that wasn't going to happen. He had a mission yet to, to accomplish, which would be on Calvary and then the resurrection from the dead. But this story that Brother Jeremy just read today, it comes after several encounters in the temple uh, by the authorities, the chief priests and the, and the Sadducees. And, and they're angry with him because on one occasion uh, it says that the children were crying out. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is uh, Hosanna, they were saying, to the son of David. This was a messianic term, and it really bothered them. And so he he begins to respond to the Pharisees by by laying out argument after argument, which is the only thing they ever did, which was argue about the scriptures, to prove that he was the Messiah. And then they asked him by what authority he did those things. And you can read this in chapter 21 of Matthew. And... <clears throat> And, and then he does something interesting. He presents the question of John the Baptist to them. And, and he, he asks them, you know, by, whose authority did John baptize? Was, was his baptism of God or, or was it of men? And, and they didn't want to admit, even though they knew it was true, when they saw sinners repenting at his baptism, that indeed uh, John's mission was from God and that, if they could see it, uh, you know, God had prepared the way for the coming of the Messiah. But they rejected it. They rejected all of it. They rejected all their signs. God was continually pleading with them and, and reaching for them and trying to get them to turn, the Lord was. And they refused. And so we begin here with what Brother Jeremy was talking about. Remember, we're talking about 9-11. And the reason I'm saying that is because is because we're reflecting on 9-11 and the transition from the 20th century into the 21st century and what happened early on. You know, there were, uh, what do they call those guys, the futurists, those guys that predict the future, uh, you know, in the in the late 1800s, early 1900s. They, they used to predict and write that by the time we reached the year 2000 and the 21st century that we would be uh, enlightened, There'd be peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We we would have reached such an incredible uh, place of uh, of technological advancement, you know, that that uh, there would be no more wars. It's incredible how bad they got it got it wrong, right? But uh, right. but Jesus, you know, it's that same feeling, right? I mean, Jesus is 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 really trying to reach them. See, they're on the brink of absolute blasphemy here. They're on the brink of absolute self-destruction by rejecting the Lord and his extended hand of grace to them. They are so close right now, within a matter of days when we pick up this story, uh, of, of the ultimate betrayal. Uh, one of his own disciples who would become a type of the Antichrist, Judas, would betray him, uh, cutting a covenant with them. And, and taking them to the Garden of Gethsemane where they would betray the Lord. They're only days away from their destruction. That would seal their fate. Once they turned him over to the Roman Empire to have him crucified on that cruel hill of Golgotha, as they call it, uh, it would ultimately seal the fate, not only for them, 
but also uh, for the Roman Empire, which we'll get into in a little bit, and, and its far-reaching uh, uh, system uh, that, that really colonized the entirety of the West. And, and it's come to rest in these last days, the influence of it, much of it, um, and the spirit of it in the United States. So one of the final things that Jesus tells them in, in chapter 22, which is very interesting, is that he, he, he tells them this story and he begins to lay forth that, that, that a marriage was coming, right? The marriage of the son of the king. And, and he talks about in verse 3 how he sends forth his servants uh, to call them that are invited to the wedding, but they won't come. And again, at verse four, he says he sends other servants and he's and he's telling them who are invited, it's ready. I've prepared my dinner. All things are ready. Come to the marriage. But verse five says, can you read verse five to us? What did they say, Brother Jeremy? It says, but they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. We see, what's interesting here to me is we see a prosperous nation, right? They have farms, they have merchandise. Uh, by the time this, this extended invitation is being given to them. Now, we know that Jesus is talking to his own people here, Israel, but we see many parallels when it comes to our own nation. Because God has been sending prophets to us since the beginning of the 20th century. And, and America refused to listen to her prophets. She continued to reject them. She continued to turn them away. Uh, and, and, and really, what has been the word that we've heard throughout the 20th century and now into the 21st century is, is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we need to remember, the parallels are striking to me, that, that this is a nation that Jesus is reaching out to his own people before he goes to the Gentile world. And he begins to extend to them this invitation, and he sends them this story through his son, Jesus, in the temple, the father does. And he begins to tell them, I've been sending you invitations. I've been sending my servants. I've been calling to you and alerting you that it's time for the marriage. It's time uh, for, this, for this marriage to take place and, and the marriage supper. Uh, but they, they wouldn't have anything to do with it. They harden themselves. And by the time we get to verse 5, like Brother Jeremy just read, they made light of it. In other words, by the time that they reach this final phase, they find no, uh, what's the right word? They don't find any importance in the invitation anymore. As a matter of fact, they just kind of brush it off. It reminds me of Second Peter, right, where he says, know this that in the last days, uh, scoffers will come, right? And they'll begin to say, where is the promise of the fathers? Everything's always been the same. The whole world's always been the same. You know, where is this Jesus that, you know, these are, he's talking about his own people. You know, where is this Jesus we've heard about? It, no, no, nothing's different. Nothing's happening. What's interesting is they go instead to their own possessions. It speaks of a generation given itself, God's people now, given themselves over to to prosperity and possession and the things of this world. The farm and the merchandise represent that. And then the remnant take his servants and treat them spitefully, and they kill them. 
it's interesting to me that that in essence, if you want to look at it metaphorically through this parable, the killing of his servants really is the killing of the voice of the Lord or the message of the Lord. And and that is what we have seen take place in our own nation. Again, we're talking about parallels. We're talking about signs. We're talking about extended hands of invitation. And then verse 7 comes to this conclusion. When the king heard this, he was angry. And then he says this. He says he sent forth his armies. He destroyed those murderers. And he burned up their city. And then from that point on, he transitions in the story and begins to talk about the servants going into the highways and the byways. And if you take it prophetically, what he was literally revealing there is that Jerusalem itself was going to be destroyed and burned up, which actually happened when the Romans came and destroyed the temple, burnt the city, and the Jews and the and the Jewish church and the Gentile church would scatter to the four corners of the world as they go into the highways and byways, inviting the entire nations of the world to come to Christ. That's what would happen. But what, what really sparked my attention this morning was verse 7, where he talked about burning up their city. And that brings us to 9-11. As we began to reflect this morning together and discussing these things today, we want to focus on the United States. Because on 9-11, the United States was attacked, and the whole world changed. Woke up one morning, suddenly, the whole world changed. Didn't even know it at the time, but, but it did. And, 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 and its implications in what happened on that day 19 years ago is, is, still, <laughs> is still ongoing. And I kind of wanted to just throw it out there, brother, uh, uh, just, for, just for discussion's sake. Tell me a little bit about what you felt on that day. Because, Fernando, how old were you, like 12? At the time, <laughs> I was a a senior in high school. Wow! I remember uh, I remember that day, you know, quite quite well. Infamous day, right? Um, I remember waking up, my grandmother uh, <clears throat> telling me, "Look, look, look, look what's on the news!" You know, a plane crash on uh, the World Trade Center. That was the first plane, and uh, I remember kind of sitting there eating my breakfast. I'm like, oh. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, then I went to first period swimming class. And huh. I'll never forget that day. Um, our, our, swim, our, our swim teacher, you know, told us all to get out of the pool and uh, go get dressed uh, uh, that we were going home. And, and th- these are the words he used. I'll never forget it. He said, America is under attack. Wow. So he said, I was like, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, look out for, like, planes dropping bombs on us. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Know, some, some, another Pearl Harbor of sorts. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember going home that, that uh, afternoon, and, and I sat down and just watched the news, and, and, and it began to hit me what had taken place um, there. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had been attacked by terrorists, and 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 the visuals of the the, you know, the the screams of the people, the people running, you know, all those things were were surreal to me, and 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 it began to dawn on me. I'll never forget the feeling because I hadn't seen events like that since uh, when I was a little little kid. You know, with with the uh, 
the war over there in Iraq. Uh, yes. Was it Desert Storm? Yeah. Desert Storm, right? And, right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember even back then, you know, the missiles in the middle of the night shooting out. It was intense stuff. And I remember being a little kid and being in front of the television and watching that. You know, um, I, and yeah, and, I remember and, that. And, and, you remember that was that black guy from CNN, right? The the, the African American reporter uh, Bernard Shaw. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Peter, I forget his last name, but they were James? like holed up in a hotel, right? Kind of like sticking the microphone out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Go I ahead. I remember Bernard. the feeling. I remember the feeling, uh, and, and and I felt the same feeling watching what took place in nine eleven, and uh, there was a a eerie calmness or silence and I, I wasn't saved then but I had enough discernment of, of God to understand that something was taking place here that was not normal yes right and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'll share this with you since you asked the question uh, when, when the pandemic took place and it first begun I remember driving through the streets and the streets were empty and and my daughters were in the back seat, and uh, and I told my daughters, I said, look, I said I never thought you'd live to see this day. I said I can only liken it to nine eleven. I told them. Wow. And I said mm-hmm. your generation is facing this, and it'll never be the same, girls. That's what I told my daughters. And, Incredible. Uh, that same feeling, that same feeling that I had. You know, as far as I can remember, of of world changing events. Uh, yes. And I was saddened. I was saddened driving through the streets. I was like, man, this is the mm-hmm. new America. You know. So it yeah, that, that's what I felt, brother. That's incredible, yeah. brother. That that's amazing, brother Jeremy. What what was your experience there? Uh, I, I just remember that just about a month before we had had our first son, uh, Jeremiah. He was born in August, and so yeah. that morning about oh, 6 45 wow. out in the morning <laughs> i was already up you know have, handling my baby before i was about to go to work and we get a call from my wife's hand we turn on the tv and literally within seconds or minutes of turning the tv the second plane hit and wow. i remember that that feeling you know of uh, something is not right here you know this is not an accident <laughs> this is an attack you know, and yeah. and what I vividly remember quickly is that uh, what happened in the next t- three months, the churches were packed to the max as people, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> repenting and, and, and you know, and, and saying, man, Jesus is coming. And but after that, it just little by little, just all <laughs> the churches began to get empty again, you know. And uh, but, yeah, I remember it. I'm never going to forget it. Uh, wow. 9-11 change this world it it did change the world and you know i was thinking about man brother jeremy uh you you had a baby brother jeremiah and just a few weeks a few weeks later the whole world changes what what did that feel like i mean having a child i mean that was your oldest son what were you thinking like what's going to happen to my baby right i mean Exactly. Holding him in in my arms and watching it, it was something surreal. As Brother Fernando used the word, something that you would never thought, you know what I'm saying? The, yeah. Uh, you would see in our nation. 
And now I understand is, is that that hedge of protection was being removed from our nation because this had yeah. happened like this to this magnitude. So, yeah, yeah I, 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 yeah, I relate to all that that you're all saying. You know, when you talked about Brother Fernando, your grandma showing you the uh, the first plane and what you thought, right? It's like, oh wow, that's a trip. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it was the exactly. first plane. That's a thing, right? Well, it made me think. You know, it, it's much like the world is it's much like the church is right it's much like we are in humanity like and it's really metaphoric or it's 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 very symbolic of 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 the judgment of god you know that that has been coming and being allowed to come upon the nation even the, the we how did we know the first plane hitting would lead to the entire world being changed we couldn't we didn't really understand what was happening like you said well wow, that's 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 interesting right uh but the right. fact of the matter is that first plane was the first shot, right? And 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 so much was going to – I mean, yeah, there'd be a second plane. There'd be one that hits the Pentagon, right? All that stuff, the one that crashed in the field in Pennsylvania. All of that would still come. But that first plane hitting, none of us understood what it really meant, right? None of us did. And it's much like that right now. It's very interesting that because you had that feeling and what we experienced, you mentioned your daughters when the pandemic started happening, the global lockdown, and then it came to America. Only this time, you understood it by the spirit and said, girls, uh, the world will never be the same. And then there's the hope and the promise, right? The shaking of a of a, of a, of a brand new parents like Jeremy, Sister Shirley, right? The, Brother Jeremiah being born. I can't imagine. I remember what I felt like for me and my, my wife and, and children. Uh, we were in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, my girls were training at the Chris Everett Tennis Academy. And Boca is really interesting because they kind of call it like Manhattan West or East or whatever they call it. Uh, because so many of the people that live in Boca uh, have relatives or come from uh, Manhattan, New York City, where 9-11 happened. And so it was a unique perspective to to really feel the collective spirit of the people uh, who knew many many of the people that had died in the two towers when it, when they finally came down. But that night was eerie for me and my wife, and 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 I could relate, brother Jeremy, in the sense that you know here I have my little girls, and and you gotta remember at that time me because I'm much older than you guys. Uh, I was I was uh, a couple of weeks away from turning 40, and so I had been preaching the gospel already for uh, 11, 12, 14 years, something like that. I think yeah, I started around the age 27, and I remember uh, when that happened. Uh, it had been two or three years since I had been preaching. I had pretty much walked away from the church, the system, decided I was just going to hang with my family and read my Bible. And I remember uh, I, I rarely, rarely ever did I ever sleep beyond six in the morning. I, I didn't wake up until 8.45 when my little girl came and woke me up and said, Dad, <laughs> something's going on on TV. And I had no idea. And I remember when I sat there and saw the first tower on fire, and my daughter and I witnessed the second plane hitting the tower. Um, I remember being overcome with a sense of dread. This perspective, because I had been a preacher, 
and and I realized just how far and distant I was at that moment from being connected to the spirit of God that such a thing could come upon us and and I was and me Mr. Preacher right was completely unaware of it I became convicted by the Holy Spirit I became afraid for my family you know, like, what am I doing here playing tennis with my kids? <laughs> like, the world's changed, you know? I mean, it was like that feeling, oh, my God, you know, it was, it was intense, man. But there was a series of things that were occurring uh, leading up to that. And what was interesting is I had this dream around that time earlier in the year, and I had told my wife about it. I didn't understand it. But I think that that event on 9-11 triggered a whole series of events. Uh, to where we find ourselves today. And, and and we have to understand something, that when that happened to America, it changed the whole world. And so our understanding of who and what the United States really is in relation to the economy, uh, I mean, to the, to, the, to the events that transpire globally, it must be understood by God's people that it is something incredibly um important to pay attention to just who are we mm-hmm. i share a little i want to share a little dream with you i had earlier that year which has still stood with me i don't think it's come to pass yet i think it will soon quite possibly it, it, without the lord's grace but um earlier that year in, in 2001 i i had this dream where uh i was at disney world of all places uh epcot center and there sitting on a bench was my was my grandmother Mary who basically raised me and she prayed for me she prayed me into the kingdom of god really and uh and and I went to sit with her she she was absolutely silent but i was i remember feeling the the comfort of her presence uh as i sat on that bench and i'm at disney world right so there's all these people and you know rides and all this stuff those of you who know about epcot center i mean it's this you know massive place and all of a sudden, uh, the ground began to to vibrate and rumble, kind of like a small earthquake with the sound of it. And when I looked uh, to my right, I saw these massive, massive planes, kind of like those old World War II bombers, you know, and, and the sound they make when they fly through the sky. There were so many of them uh that it was almost as if the, the the sky turned that aluminum silver you know that those old planes were made out of and and in the distance i could see them coming and hearing them there were so many of them the ground began to rumble and then suddenly their their bomb doors opened underneath the plane and bombs began to fall like every 100 yards right there was this massive explosion after massive explosion as they were coming closer to where we were and and I remember being pushed in my spirit towards this giant oak tree that's just outside of the gates of, of of Epcot Center, and I ran to it in my dream, and I fell on my face and grabbed a hold of the roots of it, and out of my mouth, without any thinking, came came the phrase, "It is right for you, O Lord, to judge the nation," and I woke up. And, and that's always stood with me uh, since that point, because then 9-11 happened several months later. But 
I don't I didn't think that's that's the fulfillment of that dream. I think what God was revealing was that judgment was coming not only to America but to the whole world. It would be several months later when the nine eleven event would take place and and then we uh we we had a, an incredibly different world we woke up to that day. I was I was I was kinda hesitating here, but let me just throw this in there as well. Brother Fernando, you you mentioned the first Gulf War when you were real little, right? You know, that was really the first that was the first time I saw that broadcast. We were watching that. Think of that, brother. You were watching it and I was what in what was that, ninety two? So 90, where are we at? Ninety one, ninety two, yeah. Yeah, so that was twenty eight years ago. Is that right? If we do our yeah. math. Twenty eight years ago. So I was uh forty I was thirty two years old, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, I was about to be 32 years old. So, uh, and I was a, I was a student at at, at, a, at a Bible college. Uh, I had been a student at the Bible college, and now I was I was still there. But I was doing uh, I was doing radio, and uh, and I remember when the first Gulf War broke out, and the United States had sent the the troops there. Uh, that was the first time, brother, uh, that 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 the whole world could witness an event like that at the same time. Yeah, uh, correct. Remember? So it was a very yeah. prophetically significant event because much of the prophecies that the Bible unfolds before us reveals to us that the whole world is able to witness it, right? I, I, and I remember that it was at, almost advertised as such. Like, hey, you're going to be hmm. able to see this war. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember being a little kid and paying attention to those things. And the news reporters are like, hey, it's going to be on live. You're going to be able to see this thing, you know? So that, that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons I stand, I stand in front of the television. And you know, yeah, and you know, uh, I had to do my radio broadcast the very next day. And and, and in prayer, uh, I remember the Lord reminding me of something that I had read, you know, several days before. When I saw those bombs falling, um, I got a very melancholy sense and I began, the spirit of God began to move on me as a young man and talk to me about with what measure of judgment that you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. Mm. And when America went over there and did what it did, it reminded me of the story that I had read in history of the great general, uh, Cicero was his name, uh, who led uh, the Roman uh, Empire's armies uh, against Hannibal uh, at, at Carthage. I think it was like the third century BC. Uh, I might be wrong, uh, but around that time or second century BC. Uh, and it took years to destroy that city, the great city of Carthage. And, and when they finally did, uh, destroy it, the great general stood on the hill overlooking the city as it burned. And and it is recorded that he began to weep. And he would write that in in the flames of the great city Carthage, he, he, he had a, a sense that of the day that, that Rome itself uh, would burn to the ground. <laughs> uh, and I remember... Wow. Thinking about that, when the United States in 1992 uh, mercilessly bombed 
the the capital city of Iraq, and 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 then we would learn later, right, that they call it the highway of death. Do you guys remember that? How we indiscriminately killed poor people and people trying to flee out of yeah. the cities. It's like a hundred mile stretch, right, of desert road. Right, right. Yeah, of uh, <laughs> burned tanks and you know all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and just just without mercy, uh, uh, you know, killing those people under the guise of being a righteous nation, you know, when we all know now that much of what was going on was all about oil, all about our, our own self-preservation, protecting the oil deposits and the oil reserves that were uh, from the Kuwaits, right, the, the Kuwaitis. Do you remember those yeah. those films? of how Saddam uh, had his soldiers set fire to the oil wells. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. He, he knew, he knew what they were after. He was that, it, it was his way. Of, he's the devil himself. Right. But he, it was his way of saying, look, um, you know, you're, you're coming over here to kill me <laughs> and my soldiers in our country. But the fact of the matter is, is you're after the very same thing, right? You want the oil too. Mm -hmm. So we lit them on fire. So where are we today, right? There's so many other things we could talk about. Oh, I wanted to share this one last thing was in the early nineties when our when our girls were just little, we were we were called to go over to uh to uh to pastor a church in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And uh and God began to give Sister Debbie, my wife, a series of dreams. And we're not those kind of people, right? We're just <laughs> So and, and it's it's not something that happens every day or it's not something that even happens every year. I mean, this is very rare. But back then, she began to have these dreams, which were way ahead of their time. In one of the dreams she had, she uh, she saw what we're seeing now. She saw drones. She didn't even know what they were. She was just calling. She she told me they were like these flying little airplanes that they could come and fly over and they could see you. You know, they could actually track you. We didn't know anything about the global surveillance state at the time. Technology hadn't even evolved to that. She talked about the time that in her dream where she went and, and, and she went to try and get money out of the ATM machine. And the Lord told her in the dream, she says she heard a voice. And I, I hope I'm saying this right. She'll, she'll, she'll correct me if I didn't. But uh, she said that she heard a voice that said, uh, you're not going to be able to access or have cash anymore. Uh, soon, that the days were coming where cash would no longer be the the mode by which we pay things. Yeah. And, you know, back then, I mean, the thought of something like that is just a weird thought, right? Because what other system could there be? And then the third thing she talked to me about was uh, was was going suddenly that the that, that troops invaded and and they were confiscating people's vehicles and the lord had told her you're not going to be able to travel freely uh like you you have before and she said the grocery stores were shut so that there was famine and there was no um access to food now that was that was 1991 89 90 91 in there and so those were many many years ago and 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 then we saw what we saw transpire through the 90s and then we we came to 9/11 like we're talking about right now but but here we are now we're nine we're 19 years later and we want to ask the question where are we today you know we're really at we're a house divided uh, we're under a global pandemic there's riots in the streets 
there's a global lockdown pretty much you know uh, the economy is is teetering on the brink of destruction uh, i just want to say this don't let anybody fool you by by like, going around telling you the economy's back and we're having this great you know economic revival it's a lie what's mm-hmm. actually happening is the federal reserve is buying up bonds and stocks and you know propping up yeah. the uh, the stock market to make it look like the economy's doing well. The truth of the matter is it's borrowed money. It's worthless. It's printed money that means nothing. There's no value behind it. It's a ruse. And a great devastating economic collapse is just ahead of us. You you mark but, what we're saying here. You Go know ahead, what's bro. funny, Brother but, Marty? <laughs> I was thinking huh. that those, those kind of statements – they probably scare the Christian, the uh, backslidden Christian more than they do the uh, the world, world, you know. The <laughs> and yeah. in particular the preachers, they don't want to hear those kind of words because it puts their business at risk. Out of business. Out of business. <laughs> business. You know, and again, yeah, you know, something is emerging. Something quite possibly in what we see uh, happening before us, you know, something is emerging and and the United States is becoming the central focus of it. The attention of the world is being drawn to our nation right now as a result of, of of our current state, but also we're headed into an election here in just a few short weeks from now. And in America, by and large, because that's what we look at as it relates to the church, as it relates to Bible prophecy, America has been pretty much a mystery to many Bible students, right? Many, many claim that that she doesn't even exist in Scripture. <laughs> you know, she's just one of the nations, but she's not really mentioned in the right. Bible. But, but we beg to differ. I beg to differ. I know you do too, I think, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord is dealing yeah. with our country. Yes, and I believe that, that America has reached her last days, just like Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees back then. You're just days away from having your city burned up. Mm-hmm. I think God is dealing with our country, and and I believe she's in her last days. But, Jeremy, if you could uh, share a little bit about what you were telling me today, because we we did a podcast several weeks ago uh, in, when, in which we were likening uh, the parallels that we see in ancient Babylon with the United States and what happened to her. And and you brought something out, you and your, your precious wife today, that uh, I found very interesting. Would you share a little bit of that if you could? Yes. Um, so this the series, and I believe it's all the Lord who, uh, um, it's not a coincidence that my wife, uh, she felt to hear a podcast called, a series called The Fourth Man in the Fire, Part 3. The Fourth Man in the Fire, Part 3, for those of you who would like to go back, and you'll see a lot of correlations. But she was sharing with me this morning how uh, you were explaining, Brother Marty, how the captivity that began in Daniel in Daniel 1. By Daniel 2, uh, when, when the Bible, uh, Daniel speaks about the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, it's not speaking about the second year per se, like after chapter 1, but it's speaking about Check this out, 18 to 19 years after. 
by this time, uh, the third phase of, of this captivity that began in the days of Daniel, which was about 19 years before, yeah. by this time, um, the Zedekiah, right, this is, uh, and his sons, his sons had been uh, slaughtered in front of him, and his yeah. eyes had been pulled, uh, you know, plucked out. And what she was sharing with me is that uh, the correlation, because in Daniel 2, what we see is, a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, talks about that he had. And and what's interesting is that you were pointing out, Brother Marty, how uh, what happened in 9-11 was a, a, a captivity that came over a nation in terms of how we became a um, a surveilling, surveillance state, right? <laughs> captivity, yeah. you know, keeping tabs on everybody. Mm-hmm. And she was making the correlation that as in the days of Daniel, which was about 19 years after in chapter 2, there is an unveiling that begins to take place of an image of a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. Mm-hmm. And, and the correlations that we were talking about and we felt in our spirit as we were discussing this is that I don't think it's a coincidence that this Friday, we had the anniversary of what took place 19 years ago in 2001, in 9-11, where this, you know, we were talking about, you know, not just the emotion, but what happened in the spirit realm, a hedge, like, was was removed from our nation, a surveillance captivity began, and look where we're at now, and we just thought about the possibility that maybe this could be another phase that we are beginning as as we look back 19 years ago, where now we are going to begin to see the rapid unveiling, as in the days of Daniel, the image that represents, right, an Antichrist that's coming, that we are possibly heading in those days. And I'll leave you with this thing. It's just a food for thought. Right. To finish the 18th year, uh, in other words, what happened? what happened this year, at the beginning of this year? a pandemic, a COVID-19 <laughs> began, which really huh. has taken our nation into, in this world, to another level now, to yeah. another phase. And so we, we were just trying to make the correlations, and I, and I shared a little bit with both of you. You know, just um, I just thought it was interesting that the Lord had placed in my, in my wife's heart to, to hear that podcast and to point that out to me and as we began to discuss, just for our own discussion, but I thought it's, it's interesting that we're here and uh, talking about this 9-11 special about what happened 19 years ago. Maybe you can expand a little bit more, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and what, um, you know, some of the things that I that I said right now. Well, that's a, absolutely incredible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 if indeed, and we do believe that there are many parallels of the last days also of ancient Babylon and and America. And, and what you're pointing out there is very interesting. We're not saying, you know, we're not trying to be super hyper-spiritual here, right? You know, but, but there are parallels and there are patterns that, that occur prophetically speaking. And, and, and the fact that it's, it's roughly 18, 19 years from the first captivity um, and then, and then the conclusion at the end of those those 19 years, you have the 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 the, the solidifying of the Antichrist system under Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire take place. 
And what you just posited there was, okay, here we are 19 years later, very soon of the first rise of Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire to our times now. Is it possible that we've entered a new phase? I have Has this 19th year since 9-11 now uh, bringing us, is it now bringing us into into a new phase? of 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 uh, of drawing closer to the approach mm-hmm. of that wicked one which the bible talks about which we see in ancient history represented by Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian empire very fascinating and then you called it it's the covid-19 there's another 19 right <laughs> now we're really going to get <laughs> people freaked out about us right right yeah, but, but but it's uh, important to note that brother brother marty yeah. because it, I think it's the the, the COVID nineteen is the catalyst to this new mm-hmm. phase because Absolutely. it puts the whole world on notice, especially yeah. here in our nation, where it, because it didn't begin in our nation, but this is where it's resting right now. You know, this is as you you've been saying, this is mm-hmm. where the attention of the world is right here in our nation right now, and what yeah. have we done? What this COVID nineteen has revealed, one of the things it's done is reveal. Are, you know, just how lost. We're, we're, we used to be known as a Judeo-Christian nation that had an influence on many nations, on, on the in, even imperialistic nations and so in, in communist, where, where people looked to us as we took the gospel to them. But now we are influencing the world with our secularism and the world is, is influencing us with their philosophies and blah, 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 and the occult, the rising of all these things. Is it a coincidence? I don't think so. I think this COVID is, is the catalyst to a new phase of where we're heading as mm-hmm. I believe that the stages where the unveiling of this Antichrist will come yeah. very soon. And I'll share this, um, you know, these podcasts that we've been doing for, what, six, seven months now? Yes. Uh, you know, for the listeners, this is not just something we, you know, we just decided to do and we're all of a sudden getting this, you know, this word from the Lord or information. I mean, this is a, a, a conversation in the making for the last 10 years amongst us, right? At least. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, these yeah, ten ten plus years, it's, it's the things we've been talking about that we've been seeing um, to the mm-hmm. point where frustration kicked in. You know, yeah. we're we're just you're like, you know what, man, it's a mess. The church world's a mess. You know, <laughs> you know, and and then you know, the Lord having having taken us to different parts of the world and and the nation, preaching meetings and seeing the the condition of the pastors. Right to the point where we we show up and try to put a meeting in, and they're like, "What's the catch? There is no catch. We're gonna pay for right. everything. We're gonna we just need your support." Right. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. all we need. They didn't know how to handle that because they're not used to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's it, it's survival of the fittest. That's what it is, right? right? In, in amongst the pastors, so it's it's this is a conversation that's been going on for years, and and one of the things that we you know always talk about amongst ourselves. You know, when 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 the Lord would give us the grace and bring us together, is we we kept talking about there's something coming. There's you know, nine eleven was the first thing, it, but there's there's another nine eleven. I would say that to you, right, brother Marty? There's another nine eleven coming. I feel it in my spirit. 
Yeah. So, and we are to yeah. pre- we are to prepare ourselves and 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 position ourselves for that which is coming. And and lo and behold, you know, it just crept on us. 2020 began like this, right? And yeah. and I remember even talking to you guys and 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 and, and telling you, you know, how how I took three excursions uh from Babylon um uh to you know, to when they came to Jerusalem the first time the second time, and then the third time, they finally destroyed the temple, right? right. And, and, yeah. I, and I was, I would ask the question to you, to you guys, and you, Brother Marty, I mean, is this a, are we seeing a type of this with mm-hmm. 9-11 being that first attack where the God's hedge of protection was removed and two cities were attacked, just like ancient Israel in Isaiah chapter 9, two cities were attacked, right? And yeah, that was the true. first time really Israel was attacked and are we seeing a parallel? Are we seeing a harbinger of sorts transpiring in America? And then, could it, and then we 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 pose the question: Is 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 the pandemic that second excursion, spiritual excursion, where God is saying, "You better wake up." Mm-hmm. So then the question the question is: What's that third one? Could it be ultimate. the very thing that the ultimate thing that cripples yeah. the world, which is economical in nature? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, you you said a lot there. Let's just let's just go through that real quick. Uh, <laughs> you talked about Man. you talked about you you mentioned two cities that came under judgment. Talk about that a little bit. What what two cities are you referring to? I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was Zebulun, and I can't remember the other city, but uh-huh. it, it was when uh, Israel was attacked, and and yeah. I, I, Isaiah Isaiah is speaking to to Judah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and yeah. Isaiah speaking to Judah and, and basically telling Judah, listen, uh, consider what happened to your sister to the north. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and how how the hedge of protection was removed. And don't think yeah. it can't happen to you. Yeah. Right. Right. Because and they were lifted up with their pride. Right. They said the the uh, the walls are falling, but we will rebuild and and come right. back stronger and so forth and so on. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the same is being said to America. Like, consider mm-hmm. ancient Israel. Because mm-hmm. the yeah, very same the, thing that happened to them is gonna it can happen to you. You know, and it's very. And I'll find it. I'll, I'll find the two cities. Well, they're, they're, you're right. Though I was gonna point that out is that uh, that's exactly what happened on 9/11. Yes. You know, the very exactly. first day we we were attacked in New York City. Right. Mhm. Mhm. And then the second plane hit Washington D.C. Remember? By the Pentagon. Uh, the third, the third plane crashed in a field, so it really didn't hit anything. Uh, people right. lost their lives. Right. Right. But symbolically, and again, we're talking about the parallels between America and ancient Babylon. I also find it interesting that we started out talking about that. It was a Gulf Zebulun, Park. Zebulun, and Nephilim. Zebulun and yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so two cities. That's up in Israel, right? The northern Israel. Uh, Correct. I think the was it the Assyrians who attacked them, but yeah. Uh, And then Isaiah points out to Judah and says, "Hey, (laughs) wake up, because it's coming your way, right?" So, so the parallels are there. But but two cities were attacked just like then, Um, and and in in our country it was New York City and Washington D.C. And it's interesting, brother, because if we're just speculating and having a conversation, and, and we hope uh, 
we hope that the listeners are are, are aren't being bored. I highly doubt they are, though. <laughs> but listen, yeah, no, we just want you to be, we want you to be part of that conversation. You know, not to sound all proud and arrogant. That's not what we're saying here. Uh, we're just having a conversation. This is actually how we talk when we get together. So this is 9-11. This is the 9-11 special. We're just talking. We're just having a conversation here. Now, listen, uh, it's interesting because you brought up 1991 and the first Gulf War. You know, America uh, went into ancient Babylon right. in 1991, right? Iraq is ancient Babylon. Well, America went into uh, Iraq again. Correct. A second yeah. time, right? And 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 by the by the two bushes, right? <laughs> Father and son. Very interesting. But listen, uh, we talked about Carthage, right? And how that Roman general wept seeing the the flames because he knew ultimately would come home to him. See, when we when we went in the first time to ancient Babylon, there's something very spiritual about that taking place. Uh, because like Brother Jeremy was just talking about, you know, the rise of, of all the vices and, and, and the falling away of the church in America. Um, it, it's as if she exerted herself as, as this self-righteous kind of, you know, thought process uh, that she exhibited in 1991. And she goes in there over this tiny little city in Kuwait, uh, claiming that she really cares about these Kuwaitis, right? But <laughs> the truth of the matter is what she really was lusting after was, was her oil reserves. She wanted to go in there and take care of those oil reserves. But she goes and she she bombs and destroys, uh, I've read some estimates, uh, as, as, as many as 200, 300,000 people died in that war. Uh, those okay. those people over there in that region of the world, which is ancient Babylon, it would only be ten years later that that it's like retribution from that part of the world came against us, and our two mm. towers went down, and our Pentagon got hit from the Middle East, mm -hmm. from ancient Babylon to us, right? And then, so that was the first captivity we were talking about, the first removing of the hedge, America gets judged, and it sets in motion a whole series of events. The whole world yeah. changed that day. It changed that day. And, and, and the nation as a whole, rather than turning back to God and recognizing its sin, that, that is the, the church, rather than mm -hmm. saying, how could this come to us, right? What, what, we didn't repent. Instead, uh, you just quoted uh, Isaiah chapter 9, right? They said back in, those, in, in the day, they said, we will rebuild, right? We'll come back stronger than ever. Did, uh, and the like, bricks uh, are falling. The bricks are yeah. falling down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Incredible. And, mm -hmm. and those of you mm -hmm. who are familiar with, uh, with uh, Pastor Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Kahn's yeah. book. He he did an incredible uh, historical research on on the parallels there, which are striking, uh, and and uh, and 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 not to be uh, ignored. Uh, but so that was the first thing. But what did we see? You know, out of that came that the the, the framework for the global surveillance state. You know, in in right. the United States, right? They passed the Patriot Act. Remember, uh, which yeah. allowed them basically. To, to read everybody's text message, everybody's cell phone calls, 
that they gave the NSA, the National Security Administration, far sweeping surveillance powers. Out of that came Edward Snowden. Remember, you know who Snowden is, right? Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He came out and he was vilified as 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 a as a villain, but he wasn't a villain. He came out and said, "Look, uh, I'm willing to lay down my life for the rest of my life to tell the American people and to tell the world as a whole, they're coming for you." And they're and they're mm-hmm. watching you. <laughs> there is nothing sacred and nothing private anymore. And he was banished. He had to run for his for his life. He's still out there. I think he's living in in the in a in an embassy in Russia of all places. But the point is, is what he exposed uh, was was the rise of the beast system it was already beginning. That's what set in motion those events uh, that has brought the United States to where it is today. But there's something very Interesting, because then came the second captivity, which you were just mentioning, right? That second captivity, 19 years later, like Brother Jeremy is pointing out, occurred when when the pandemic uh, came to the shores of America and brought this country into captivity. Because that's where we are, right? Don't you think? Yeah. You were were going to say something? Yeah. We are uh, under captivity, and, and our troops have been there for almost 19 years, right? They're still there. Uh, They're talking about bringing them home. But, okay, I've been holding off on this. (laughs) So with that in mind, and we're going to try and hurry here, uh, there are many parallels of last day's Babylon, just before Babylon uh, was destroyed itself, Um with the United States, if you remember in Daniel chapter four, right, they, they were having this big party in Babylon, and mm-hmm. uh, and they were drinking uh, and partying and and using the vessels of the house right. of God, right? Right. And uh, and then suddenly the handwriting appears on the wall. For those of you who want to study, it's in Daniel chapter four, mm-hmm. and and. And and what is basically written there is your days are numbered, uh, you you've been weighed in the balance, and uh, and you're found wanting, right? And 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 we're asking the question uh, because that drinking in those holy sacred vessels, uh, the night that Babylon would fall, it, it's really a type of uh, of the spirit of Babylon uh, merging with a false church, right? Because she takes to herself holy vessels and and drinks from them. And and it's a foreshadow, it's a type, because what we know from the book of Revelation is that there is a place called Babylon. There is a mystery Babylon that exists in the book of Revelation that is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And and what we want to look at real quick, and, and, and again, this is the part where we said what you're about to hear, hear it, and then forget forget we ever mentioned it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then we'll see. All right, we'll see what happens here. So let's take a look at this. First of all, to identify Mystery Babylon, because she has to be something. And we talked about uh, that, that – uh, that 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 uh, <laughs> we talked about 
the connection that, that Brother Jeremy was mentioning uh, between the first and second captivity of, of the two 9-11s and, and what's transpired in these years in ancient Babylon. And what we're putting forth is it's quite possible that the spirit of Babylon, the mystery Babylon, is the very reason that that the United States cannot be found or has not been discovered, so to speak, by name, so-called by name, uh, in Scripture. But we don't think that's the case. At least, you know, I hate to say we, but I think you guys at least have some kind of, same kind of thinking. Uh, there's something that the Apostle John says that's very interesting. And as we read these scriptures, I just want to ask you, my brothers and sisters listening and following along with us, who does this sound like? This is near the end. Now, what we know is that Mystery Babylon is removed from the historical landscape, and it gives rise uh, to the full expression of the Antichrist and the beast system. And so what that implies to us is wherever this mystery Babylon is, as you study the book of Revelation, she stands in the way of the full expression of Antichrist and his system. Much like ancient Jerusalem stood in the way of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar in their day, uh, so this mystery Babylon stands in the way of the beast, the false prophet, and the beast system. Uh, and she must be removed. And we're going to take a look at who she might be. And, and, and let's just take a look at this real quick, because John says something very interesting. Can you read this to us, Brother Jeremy, concerning Mystery Babylon? Uh, Revelation chapter 17. And uh, read, if you wouldn't mind, to verse 9. Uh, start at verse 9. Start at verse 7 and read it through verse 9. Okay. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which had the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Okay. They're very incredible. Uh, so from we're, we're told that John is having a hard time figuring out who this woman is in verse 7. And, and she's known as this mystery woman. She's called Mystery Babylon. She, he's seeing a spirit, okay? And, and then it says that she's carried by a beast. To get a little more information on what that terminology actually means, look at Revelation 17. And would you read to us, Brother Jeremy, uh, verse 1 through uh, 3. 17, yes. 1 through 3. And there came 
one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me come hither I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and i saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns this is really interesting okay so what do we see from this first of all in, in verse one he talks about her her location as being the place uh, that is sitting upon many waters. Okay, so so her geographic location is many waters, but the waters are also interpreted as something else. Take a look at 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 verse uh, fifteen of chapter seventeen. Would you read that to us, brother Jeremy? Yes. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest sawest where the yes. four cities are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And this is interesting because he's identifying a particular geographic location and the spirit comes to rest on a particular place uh, that is made up of many peoples, many nations, many tribes, many tongues. So it appears to be that this spirit, this mystery Babylon, uh, comes to rest in something that had never existed before, and 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 not since the days of Rome, really. Uh, but uh, this spirit of Babylon comes to rest on on a place where the nation, it appears itself, is made up, as is described here in Revelation chapter seventeen. Um, Many peoples, many multitudes, many nations, many tongues. It's almost like the Latin phrase, uh, e pluribus unum, out of the many one. So this nation, it appears, or this geographic territory is, is, is like a nation that is made up of all the nations of the world. And that's where the spirit comes to rest, this, this spirit of Babylon. She sits on many waters. She further is described in verse 2 of chapter 17. Could you read that again, Brother Jeremy? Oh, my goodness. Yes. you got to hurry. <laughs> when, <laughs> with whom the... <laughs> so you talking to me? Oh, sorry. With whom <laughs> the kings... <laughs> with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So we see uh, that that the kings of the earth, those that rule and shape global politics, they interact with her, and 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 they and they are made drunk with with interacting with her. She literally is responsible for bringing the whole world under her spell. This particular place where the spirit of Babylon sits. And there's something interesting that he further goes on to say about her. 
verse 3. Could you read that real quick, Brother Jeremy? So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So who is she sitting on? Who is she riding? Because that's what we read later on in this chapter. Is She's literally riding this beast. And we know from Revelation chapter 13, what is that beast? It is, it is the territory of what used to be the old Roman Empire. In Revelation 13, it's that beast with uh, seven heads and ten horns that rises up out of the sea. She is a dominating force over what, what was once the old Roman Empire resurrected in the last days. And what are the characteristics of the old Roman Empire in the last days is that it was a global state. It is that global state that Daniel saw which is described as, as, as the most fierce and, ex, and exceedingly powerful system that will ever rise in the history of, of the planet Earth just prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what is keeping this system that rises up out of the sea from, from manifesting itself in its fullness is this woman who writes it. Now, understand, this is symbolic language, but it's speaking of nations. It's speaking of global events. It's speaking of the end of time when these spirits are interacting. But, but spirits flow through humanity. And that's why it was mentioned that she sits upon a nation made up of many tribes, tongues, multitudes, and peoples, described as being bordered and sitting upon major bodies of water. And she dominates the world. But there's something about her domination that, that reaches uh, an impasse. This system that she's writing, uh, which she has enriched herself on, and we'll see here, the, here this in a second, is a system that will in the end begin to move to destroy her and ultimately will. Read verse uh, uh, 15 and 16, would you, uh, and 17 of chapter 17 to us, would you, Brother Jeremy? And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast un until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And then verse 18 says this. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So in John's day, that great city was the Roman Empire. And many Bible students and scholars through the years have said, well, then that means that, that, that this great city that's going to be burnt with fire is Rome. But that's not true. That's not the spirit in which is being said here. This is far in the future. And that's why John says in Revelation chapter 17, verse 9, to actually identify the woman is going to require 
wisdom. Can you read verse 9 to us, Brother Jeremy? Here is the mind. Here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So the spirit of the woman, which is the spirit of Babylon, uh, sits on seven mountains. That's one thing that we're told. The seven heads, and you can go back and listen to our, our, our previous broadcast when we talked about uh, the mystery of the ten horns, which was early on in our podcast series uh, over these last seven months. But we, 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 we don't have time to get into it today, but the seven heads represent the seven major global empires that have existed on the planet. There's only been seven. There's coming an eighth, the one who will rule over the <laughs> over the seven, but that's for another day. But these seven heads, he then says, here's the mind that has wisdom. So he's saying this is going to be a little tricky for you all to figure out, basically, to put it in modern language. But then he identifies where she sits as being seven mountains, right? Verse 9, seven mm-hmm. mountains. Now, in verse 15, she's talked about sitting on what? Where does she sit? Verse 15. She sits, and he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So which one is it? Is she sitting on waters or is she sitting on mountains? It's both. And it, and it brings us closer to identifying her. And then her capital city, what she is. It's a capital city in verse 18. Go ahead and read read this, verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigned over the kings of the earth. So this is future in time just prior to the second coming of the Lord that what John is seeing here, he gives us some clues. She sits on seven mountains. She also sits on waters. and Together, she makes up what is called a great city. And what is the identifying mark of this great city is she reigns over the kings of the earth. And this is why Bible scholars in the past have said, oh, that's got to be Rome. But that ain't the case. She doesn't, Rome does not reign over over the uh, cities of uh, uh, and the kings of the earth. There's only one city on the planet that does that. It's a great city. It's it's identified by two things. We're getting clues here now. She sits on many waters. So uh, she's, she's, she comes to rest in a geographic territory and upon a nation state that's made up of many tribes, tongues, and, and peoples and nations. There is only one place that, that that could be. Anyone want to guess? Any ideas? I think it's the United States. I'm completely, I'm completely lost. (laughs) (laughs) Are Uh, you really? (laughs) Again, well, no. no. (laughs) You have to ask the question. Now, I was just being facetious there, but. uh, Because I just heard a whole bunch of people go, me too. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um. It is the great, you know, uh, question, right? Where, where is America uh, mentioned in, in, in the Bible? Uh, so we know that there is a, a a city or this mystery Babylon that is the epicenter 
of the nations of the world, right? Yes. You have to ask the question now, who is, what is the epicenter or the focus of all the world? What literally, what sustains the world economically? Mm-hmm. Because because that's that's really what what's behind all of this is economics. Yes. And, and and the answer the answer is <laughs> is pretty is pretty obvious. America. Yeah. Today. Right. So uh, the characteristics are are quite you know. Um, striking. Uh, the, the, right. Yes, they're striking for sure. So that's what and, we have and, to ask ourselves. You know. Right. So he's saying here's the mind that has wisdom. So. He points to the waters, and he calls them peoples, tribes, multitudes. That's Revelation chapter 17, verse 15. That's where her spirit is, where, there, where, these, where there's this nation made up of all the peoples of the planet, really. There's only one nation like that. That's the United States of America. That's number right. one. Number two, he talks about her sitting on seven mountains or seven hills, right? She sits on seven hills. And then he calls it where she sits, Revelation seventeen nine, the seven hills where she sits, uh, in in Revelation seventeen eighteen, a great city. The capital city is a city that has to be built on seven hills. That's what John was saying. And I'm telling you, that capital city where the spirit of Babylon has come to rest and 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 has infected the whole world with her seduction, is Washington D.C. USA. Now, I'm going to read something to you just to put it out there. And I'm going to show you something here that happened when Washington, D.C. was formed. Ancient Rome was, was famously settled around and upon seven hills. Although the capital was the smallest it was the symbolic center of the ancient world both spiritually and politically now let me read this this little history book to you during the peak of the roman empire this small hill was literally the power center of the world so how did washington end up with its very own capitol hill because that's what they named it after they named it after Rome, Capitol Hill. It was Thomas it was Thomas Jefferson who chose the name Capitol for the building that would house Congress and the name of the hill that was on it. Capitol Hill. Jefferson was the Secretary of State when the federal district was still in the planning stages. He and President Washington were responsible for overseeing the design of the city and its uh, irascible planner, the French engineer, Pierre Charles Lafont. While they were all focused on building something uniquely American, the first wholly created capital for a democratic country made up of, of, <laughs> of all the peoples of the world they also wanted to show skeptical Europeans that this experiment in government was rooted in the past, namely America was founded on ancient Roman on the ancient Roman Republic. Le Effant had chosen the site for Congress 
to be on top of a prominent hill that he called Jenkins Hill after the local landowner. As he said, it was a pedestal waiting for a monument. And he made this hill the geographic center of the city and had all the streets radiate out from one point. It was a fitting place to locate Congress, making it more important in stature than the president's house itself, which was down the hill on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue. Jefferson thought that both Congress and its location deserved a more symbolically important name. On the original plans drawn up by Le Efant, he crossed through the name Congress House and replaced it with the word Capitol Hill. And thus, Capitoline Hill was born again. Rome was born again on the American continent. But even before the founding of Washington, D.C., and even before the founding of the United States, there were already some links between the ancient city of Rome and this remote bit of far farmland destined to become our nation's capital. The area that Le Enfant called Jenkins Hill was actually known as New Troy, dating all the way back to the original Maryland land grant in 1663. In Roman mythology, the ancient city of Troy was a precursor to Rome. And the area around New Troy included a 400-acre farm that its owner had actually named Rome. He even renamed the modest Goose Creek, which flowed from the Potomac to the base of what would become Capitol Hill, the mighty Tiber Creek, after Rome's Tiber River. And get this, brother. Mm -hmm. His name was Francis Pope. Francis Pope. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Even before its founding, Washington had a Rome, had a Tiber River, and it had a Pope, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is incredible. taken directly from from our history books. John said, here is the mind that hath wisdom. Where the, so the spirit original of Babylon... name, The original yeah. name of Washington was Rome. Was Rome. That's right, brother. Yes. Yes. It was Rome. And, 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 and so what we are saying is quite possibly, is it, is it, and we're just putting it out there for your consideration. This spirit of Babylon was supposed to come to rest on a city, a capital city that would rule over all the nations of the world until the time of its end. It was going to be built on a, on seven hills, seven mountains. Mm -hmm. Rome was built on seven mountains. That's why Bible scholars of old said, well, John's got to be talking about Rome, right? We're going to come back and Rome's going to be burnt. That's where the Vatican is. Right? It's going to be burnt. That's what they still say to this day. But they are missing the point here. It's as if the ancient spirit of Rome from the territory from where Rome emerged, which is that old European Roman Empire there, it's as if the spirit of, 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 of Babylon comes and tries to establish its own Rome, which it did in the territory of Washington, D.C., and what the Bible is indi indi indicating there is the spirit would come to rest there, the spirit of Babylon, and she seeks to rule the world. 
from a from a revived or reinstated concept of the Roman Empire. And so John says, here's some wisdom you're going to need in the last days. The, the identifying mark is that she is going to come to rest on a city built on seven hills of her own. And from that city is going to go a power that influences all the kings of the world. And what makes the beast mad is that it used to be the preeminent power from that territory in, in Eastern and Western Europe used to be the preeminent power of the globe back in the day. But this new power emerges in the end of time, in, infused with the spirit of Babylon, and, and replicates what once was ancient Rome on a new land and a new territory. And it's mm -hmm. interesting that the founding fathers didn't even realize what they were doing. At least we don't think they do. Thomas Jefferson himself, we just read, proclaimed that he wanted to build a new Rome, and he named Capitol Hill after Capitoline Hill in Rome of ancient Rome. And he did it to snub, uh, to, to, to fly in the face and snub those, you know, cocky Europeans over there who, from whence the original Rome came. That's what we just read. He, he, he wanted to fly it in their face. And show them that this new democracy, this republic that would be built from the people that had come across the sea, from every tribe, every tongue, every multitude, was, was greater than ancient Rome. And it drew to itself the spirit of Babylon. Yeah. But, but it speaks of two things, right? It talks about waters and it talks about mountains. And you mentioned it earlier, which is what caught my attention, Brother Fernando. In the ancient parallels of the destruction of Israel, uh, it first began with an attack on two cities, Zebulun and Naphtali. And it's mm -hmm. interesting that, that the, the attack that first began on the United States back in 2001, 9-11, occurred by attacking the two capital cities. One is on the water, which is New York City. And one is on the Seven Mountains, which is Washington, D.C. That's where the planes yeah. hit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, we're in trouble. Brother Marty, yeah, uh, go ahead, brother. What, what you're saying, there's another interesting fact that I was reading. As Washington, D.C., original, their, its original name was Rome, Maryland, right? It was Rome, changed yeah. to Washington, D.C., there's also a branch of the Potomac River in, in Washington that was called before that Tiber Creek. <laughs> which That's right. Named after the after the Tiber uh right the Tiberius River in right? Yes. Or Tiber yeah. River in Rome, I mean. So uh, that's yeah. another uh <laughs> interesting right. fact. Absolutely. And and uh we're not rejoicing over this. It's just we're discovering something here quite possibly that is 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 warning us uh as we as we reflect on nine eleven nineteen years later and all the things that we've talked about we've been going on quite a while now. It doesn't seem that long, but it's we're we're approaching almost two hours now, <laughs> so we're gonna have to close this out. But there's something that's coming. And and I always wondered if this is the case. It's very interesting 
that this beast that she rides hates her. And we don't have time to get into it. We've got to do some really extensive studies on this over the next several weeks as we head towards the elections. Because I think what we're entering into is this time. You see, the Antichrist is the one that will come out of the beast system that is ridden by the spirit of Babylon. Babylon has to be destroyed, the spirit, the geographic location where she's come to rest, before the full-fledged global system can happen. And so what we're postulating here as we reflect on 9-11 and all the events that have happened since the first uh, you know, 9-11, 2001, 19 years ago, up into where we are today, what we are witnessing quite possibly is the last days of the United States of America, much like we see in Daniel chapter 4 when ancient Babylon was destroyed destroyed as it as it as it merged itself with the vessels of the house of god a pseudo uh religious uh system merging together the spirit of babylon and the spirit of of <laughs> of the word of god really which they desecrated there is no other symbol of that alive today as a nation Unlike the United States, it is the only thing that stands in the way from the full-fledged overtaking of this planet by the spirit of Antichrist and his system. And it's going to emerge out of Europe. They hate her, it says, right? Read verse 16, Brother Jeremy. 17:16. Yes, and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate. And naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire burn her with fire it is quite possible what's being revealed here is that 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 the two major cities in america which rule the world one is new york city brother fernando was mentioning it the chief component of new york city it is the capital of the financial power of the whole world and washington dc is the, is the center of the political and military power that rules over the kings of the earth. And they hate her because there's something yeah, happening. Incredible. Go ahead, brother. Right? No, I mean, that statement, they hate her. You know, it, yes. it's, a, it's a thought that most Americans are unaware of, that, of how the, the rest of the world sees us, mm-hmm. right? And... Uh, we love America, you know, Americans love America, they love their freedom, you know, but but they, they don't know how the world really feels because we're not shown that in the news, you know. Uh, we see yeah. what's taking place internally here. I mean, we spoke about the, the, the Gulf War, right, and, yeah. and, and how the Middle East views us. We know how Russia feels about us. We know how China feels about us, you know, and this is this has been – you know, developing and, and, and getting bigger and bigger, this hatred towards America. Uh, I mean, look look at us today. What is this pandemic doing? It's, it's mm-hmm. showcasing our arrogance. The right. whole world is under lockdown. Everybody's following the rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except us. <laughs> Except us. Right. And we're, and we're threatening the world, right? The right. China plague and the, you know, Russia sucks and all that kind of stuff. Pardon my French. I mean, we were we we're threatening the world, you know. And and uh, and and over in Europe, you have the World Economic Forum. You have, 
you know, the uh, the seat of, of the EU in Belgium. You have the rise of a globalist pope from ancient Rome. See, why I know that, that, that ancient Rome isn't where the spirit of Babylon comes to rest, because they burn her with fire. And the false prophet who comes from old Rome has to be in place in order to legitimize the beast system that will rise out of an ancient Roman territorial empire. I just said a mouthful there. And, and, and study your history, brothers and sisters. This is what we're talking about, the destruction of, of Babylon. Why she comes to rest, the seven heads, like we talked about, they represent the seven global empires. But the spirit of Babylon has is the original spirit. It's the whore spirit. It came from Nimrod, remember? When he built the tower, we go back and listen to our podcast on Nimrod and the Silicon Valley connection, right? Uh, in Shinar. Right. Yes, in Shinar, yeah. right, which came out of Babylonian territory. Isn't it interesting that the United States has wielded its power against ancient Babylon? If, in fact, that spirit has come to rest on us, which I think it has. And I think that we are that city, both the capital city on the seven hills and the economic city that sits on many waters. Why do you say economics and why do you say politics? Because it's defined that way in, in the Bible. It talks about uh, in verse uh, eight, chapter 18. Can you read chapter 18, brother, uh, to us where it says that, uh, read seven and, and in eight, seven and eight, 18, seven and eight. Listen how she describes herself. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Amen. This seems to indicate that what's actually burned with fire are two territories within the nation itself, because you can't have famine if you don't have anyone after the fire falls uh, who who doesn't eat food, right? <laughs> so there's people that'll be left, but it's going to become reduced to a nothingness. And the Bible describes that when her judgment comes, read verse two, would you, Brother Jeremy? Of chapter 18. It says, uh, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Amen. So notice what he says there in, in chapter 18, verse 2. He he uses the term fallen, fallen, right? And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Why does he cry to fallen? I think it's because, as he said, the, the, the mind that hath wisdom, she's located in two geographic territories. One is on the water, one is on seven hills. 
when you reflect on what we've already been talking about, we believe that is identifying the territory quite possibly of New York City, which is the original capital city of the United States before it was transferred over to Washington, D.C., but it became the financial and is the financial uh, center of the whole world. And, and then, then there's Washington, D.C. It is quite possibly that what we are going to see is some sort of nuclear judgment. She's burned with fire. And, and I think that the two crying of fallen, fallen is an indication that it's the two major territories, the two major cities in the country where the spirit of Babylon is located that are going to be absolutely destroyed. And spiritually, he goes on to say, it, it creates a vacuum where all uh, habitations of devils come to rest in it. An unleashing of demonic power fills the destruction of it. It's almost as if the destruction of the mother spirit, the harlot of Babylon, uh, gives birth to all that was inside her, habitations of devils, every kind of foul spirit, every kind of unclean and hateful bird, on and on. Now, why do we think this is two separate uh, territories, D.C. and New York City? Look at uh, verse 3. Can you read the identification uh, clues that we have here, brother? Can you read that? In verse For all three. nations have... For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. So we have two identifying classes of people that interact with her. They're clues. The kings of the earth are the political people right i mean they're they're the kings of the earth i mean they're it's 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 politics but the merchants of the earth are different they they interact economically like brother fernando was pointing out and so we have two distinct uh characteristics of the kinds of people that have to interact with her remember she sits and rules over the kings of the earth the great city the capital city politically rules and militarily rules over the kings of the earth. But there's another aspect to her, which is economic. And so I think what's being revealed here is that we have both a Washington, D.C. kind of characteristic here and a, and a New York City characteristic. One deals with the kings of the earth, our capital city, uh, political and military capital city, and one deals with the economics of the earth, which is why the merchants of the earth have been waxed rich from her. That's New York City. And, and so when she's judged, it says she's fallen, she's fallen. It, it, it says two fallen. So I think it might be representing the two major cities of our nation. And, and <laughs> are you with me? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look real quick here then at, at what happens to her in verse 10. Can you read verse 10 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, Alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Again, we have two 
uh, different cities identified here. And and like Brother Jeremy just read, standing afar off for fear of her torment. We let's ask, let's just ask this side note question: Why is, why are they having this? It's quite possibly that we're looking at a nuclear exchange here of some sort, uh, because you know the radioactive fallout from such a from such a destruction would necessitate you can't come near that geographic territory. It's quite possible that's why they're standing afar off. Although it could also be just a divine, uh, you know, uh, judgment of some sort of an asteroid or something like that that hits. You know, you, you, you just don't know. All we do know is that it's going to be fire, and it's of such a such an extent that the burning of this these cities uh, requires that you can't come near it. The only thing, at least at, at this time in human history, that we can say uh, would describe that kind of a having to stay away from it is the is the uh, is a nuclear weapon of some sort with with incredible radioactivity where you're not even allowed to come in and 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 clean up the mess because it, it it's deadly. You know that's the same thing that happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, those two great cities of Japan that were destroyed with two separate bombs. But here we have. Uh, notice what he says, standing afar off for fear of her torment. It's quite possible we're talking nuclear here. And then he identifies two specific cities. I think that's why he cries, alas, alas. And then he says, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city. He mentions city twice. I think it's, 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 referencing, uh, it's referencing Washington, D.C. and New York City. Why do you say that? 1718 talks about that great city which reigns over the king of the earth. That's how he identifies Babylon, that great city, Babylon. That's the capital city that reigns over the kings of the earth. The mighty city is the economic city, the economic power within that one nation made up of great multitudes, tribes, tongues, and nations. He says, alas, alas, I think it's identifying the two major cities of the territory where the spirit of Babylon, the mother of harlots, has come to rest. Both are about to be judged in the not-too-distant future. That's why we have verse 11. Brother Jeremy, can you read verse 11? Yes. 18-11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Incredible. And read verse uh, 17, would you, brother? For in one hour, so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. And cry when they see the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like this great city? So we have merchants, we have kings, we have two identifying cities. Both of them are about to be judged. Both of them are about to be burnt with fire. And and one affects the political and military aspect of the world. One is, affects the economics of the world. And both are uh, meet their end. And, and that literally makes way for the rise of the beast system in its fullness which system Jesus Christ will come to and destroy. That's the Antichrist in his system. 
But first, this one has to be taken out of the way. What's interesting, so that God's people don't get completely freaked out, is that just prior to her being burnt with fire, something happens. Are you, are you all still there? Yes. Yes, sir. Read to us verse 4, would you, Brother Jeremy? Chapter 18? Yes. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. So there's a voice that occurs in this part of, <laughs> of the story that is calling the people of God out of her. Then she's burnt with fire. Then she receives the wrath that, that the Lord allows to come upon her. And we know that the people of God are not appointed under wrath. Because there is there are, there are a confluence of events that seem to happen really, really quickly after she's destroyed. So it's quite possible what we're witnessing here in 18.4 in the come out of her, my people, is our gathering together unto the Lord. And and I think that what we're going to see and why I say that is, is verse 23. Once that happens, look at, look at what verse 23 and 24 say. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, 23 and 24? And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. So what do we see here? He tells, we hear a voice. The voice says, come out so that you don't receive of what's coming down on her, right? What's going to happen to her is, is, is this great judgment that will affect her territory. She will be no more, really. It gives, it gives rise to, to not, not only rise, but a solidification of the Antichrist and his system. But, but it seems uh, that with this kind of language in verse 23, the light of a candle, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The candle is, is the church, right? It will no more shine in you at all. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride can no longer be heard. What is the voice of the bridegroom and the bride? It's the Holy Spirit. We were talking about that yesterday with the Holy Spirit being removed. He is the voice of Christ. He is the voice that speaks through the bride. The Spirit and the bride say come, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a combination. So we're quite possibly witnessing just before this horrific cataclysm we've been describing that we think could possibly be coming. His church is about to be taken out of the way. And why do you say that, Brother Marty? Read verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, Jeremy, real quick. Because look what it, after this happens, after the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and, and the people come out of her, what, what happens in chapter 19, verse 1? And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. 
Verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with their fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And 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 so after this happens, and just before it happens, basically he says, "I'm gonna take. I'm, there'll be no more bridegroom hurt in me. There'll be no more bride hurt in you, and and uh, there'll be no light left in you." It's it's all corrupt, basically. He says, but but before the fire falls, it seems like they're gone, right? Because in verse nineteen, chapter nineteen, verse one, suddenly there's a great voice of much people in heaven, right? They're right. in heaven now, and what are they there to do? Verse seven. Can you read verse seven? Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what happened. The marriage supper of the Lamb. So it seems all of it as John is revealing it. Now the timing and the weeks, the months, who knows, man? I mean, that's a mystery. But the flow of it and what seems to be being indicated is this, this, this woman has to be removed off the scene. She is removed because she has reached her apex, and she she is hated by the rest of the world. She stands in the way, and, and they hate her so much that they will burn her with fire. It will be allowed by the Lord. But it appears that there will be some sort of rescue of the people of God. They're standing in heaven. And then what happens as the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven begins to be ensued, remember we started this study out talking about they were invited to the marriage, right? But they weren't worthy, and the city gets burned with fire. History is going to repeat itself. It's it's quite an amazing thing to me, and 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 so we see quite possibly we're talking about the rapture, the timing of it. It's it's the Lord. But we can see at least that we're far along in the process when when this this rescue, this removing of the bride and the voice of the bridegroom and the candle, and now suddenly we're in heaven and and we're singing uh that that the Lord is righteous and and, and true for judging this great whore uh which has corrupted the whole earth with her fornication. There is no other place, at least to this date, as we record this. And we reflect on the meanings of 9-11 and what it might mean uh, to all of us as we're watching the events of our day. The United States has reached its final days. And it's very quite possible that uh, we 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 are far along in this process. And the coming days and what is going to happen is, is an acceleration of these events. But we have the promise of God. We have the voice of God calling to his people right now. You come out of her. You disconnect from everything that she represents. Even if it isn't that moment that we're taking off the earth, at least we're being admonished. Begin to disconnect yourself from this world, from this spirit of Babylon, from this, this thing uh, that, that, it, that is seeking to seduce and corrupt all the people of the world. She's about to be burned with fire in the not too many days ahead but it's going to give way 
to verse 11, which is uh, what, Brother Jeremy? Read 19, 11 through 13. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. There's the wrath of God. We are not appointed unto wrath, but we will return with him and watch our great Savior execute wrath on the ungodly, on the devil himself who will be chained and cast into the bottomless pit, and upon the false prophet and the beast and the kings of the earth uh, will be done away with. Where we are in that, as this country reflects on what happened 19 years ago. We'll leave it with you and the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And like we said, we're just having a conversation. Even so, <laughs> we believe the days are at hand. And and uh, God's people need to, to hear the voice of the angel that says, Come out from among her, my people. Touch not the unclean things that you receive not of her plagues nor partake of her sins. We need to get ready, church, because the Bible says her, his bride has made herself ready. So you've heard a lot of things today. Some things have made you very uncomfortable, I'm sure. Some things have made you really, really think. Either way, we, we, we're just talking. We're just having a conversation. And we love you with all our hearts. Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremy, anything else to say on this reflection on 9-11? No. It's a uh, <laughs> big <take> time <laughs> yeah. to meditate. Take time to meditate on this day and reflect, as Brother Marty just said, and, and to pray for our nation. Amen. And as we get ready to go into uh, the weekend, we pray that God uh, will shield you, shield your families with his precious blood. We love you. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.